0: Soy tu Cupito Marcano y están escuchando Fry on the Farm.
1: Welcome to "Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan and right in front of me is Roy. Hey, hello everybody. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, it's, I have been watching so much Storm Baseball lately. Yeah. I'm, I'm checked out on the Padres i mean i'm watching what's going on but it's i'm 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 run down by what's going on with the Padres, and i am all in on the the minor league playoffs right now
2: i am detached from the Padres. even ho- coming home from last night's game uh you know i get in the car it's uh close to it's 10 ish o'clock and uh oh look to a run home run oh look a game tying home run uh
1: I was paying more attention to the Tri City game, yeah. than I was what was going on in it, Petco. It,
2: and at that point, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. There's a Tri Cities game. Let's listen to that." It, it's, um, you know, it's the end of the season of a season that really doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's okay.
1: So I'm interested in seeing what Munoz does and what Arias yeah. does and just some of these guys that you want to see them start, you know, s- start producing. Absolutely. But at the same time, they're not playing meaningful games. I know they're playing a bunch of a bunch of teams that are in contention for something. Yeah. But it's hard to be invested in a team when it's, it's, we've been losing for so long. We're numb to (sighs) it. We're used to it. We're used to it. And
2: and after the big start, we have this great run in like three weeks of the season or whatever. And we think we're just, all right, ticket us to the world series. No, 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 no. But what I liked about real quick about the major league team was I liked that like Munoz, dude, he got ripped. Well, yeah, you're going to have to mix in the slider and mix it in often because it was the uh, 100 miles an hour of Brian. Brian hit
1: that. Well, and put it down the pipe. Yeah. You, 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 they can hit 100 miles an hour, yeah. they can time a bullet. You can't blow it by them like you can yeah. in double A.
2: Yeah. And you have to have that secondary pitch, it has to be sharp. And, you know, it, it didn't, he didn't. He threw like five fastballs in that at bat, I think, and then the one slider. And he hit the fastball.
1: Yeah, I was talking to somebody about Ronald Bolaños today. And I remember from last year watching him at the Storm. It was like that, that at times he would be electric. There would be the fastball with late movement. He'd have the breaking stuff, working around the edges of the the plate. And then you see him come back, even in the same appearance, and the fastball's flat. The slider's a cement mixer. Everything's out over the plate or way off the zone, and he's getting lit up. So yeah. it's the inconsistency that it takes time for these guys to learn how to command like that. Yeah. And it's just a small tweak in mechanics, or arm slot, or holding the ball or, or conditioning or mental focus from one inning to the next.
2: Absolutely. That, that really makes a difference.
1: Yeah. Well, enough talking about the major league roster <laughs> stuff. We're here to talk about minor league baseball and there is all kinds of stuff going on with three Padres teams in the playoffs right now. Uh, you know, it's funny
2: because you, you say that because I've, there's three games going on at once. I've got my phone. I've got my computer. Uh, I've got two games going on my computer at one time. I have one on my phone, and you know, and I'm watching the Padre game. Just barely paying attention to the Padre game. Uh-huh. It has been fun. It has been. Uh, it's been the most I think for the Padres. It's been the most teams in the playoffs in one season. Probably. Yeah. And uh, all three of the teams went straight. You know, got through their. And they're all in the finals. Yeah, in yeah. the Finals.
1: Um, you know, I was at uh, Rockstar GM AJ Preller was up in Lake Elsinore yesterday. He was. And I saw him talking to a couple of the Booster Club folks and I wanted to ask him, I didn't have the chance, but I wanted to ask him if he ever wanted to clone himself so he could be in four places at the same time. Cuz he's up there watching Lake Elsinore while Tri-City's playing and Amarillo's playing and San Diego's playing. Plus, he probably wants to be out in the Dominican or Venezuela something watching a bunch of 15-year-olds running he, around in a dirt lot.
2: You know, and he in between pitches, and making little notes last night. He was on that phone, so he was getting updates from somebody. Somehow, maybe he's texting a Bay. I don't know. Uh, we hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's funny. <laughs> you know? I, you know, I often wonder about Prello because he only gets what three or
1: four hours of sleep a night. And Does I'm, he even sleep? I don't know. I don't know. He's like Ben Franklin in baseball. The man's a machine. Well, and and,
2: and what I noticed is, you guys,
1: he wore that stinking hat again last night.
2: It's it was, it was nighttime.
1: Well, he finally took it off once.
2: At like the yeah. ninth, like the seventh inning, he took it off, and I'm like, oh, there it is, that mop of hair,
1: <laughs> and of the like, and the duck tail, yeah, right.
2: I didn't. Mean, we didn't get that close. I, I looked up a couple
1: of times. I took a couple of pictures just because I had my camera with me. Um, but- no, I, I like seeing him out there. And he's always gracious to talk to the people that come yeah. up and take pictures yeah. with people. So a lot of GMs, they would go and they'd go up into a yeah. up into a, a suite, yeah. hang out in the box. You know, like yeah. Jerry Jones of the Cowboys comes to mind that you only ever see him up in the suite because he's Mr. Billionaire big time. And AJ's not like that. He's a man of the people.
2: Well, and he's a man. He's a scout at heart, so he yeah. loves development. He loves being there, and that's where all the other scouts sat. Where right where he was, and he was there with what Chris Kemp and the and Riley Westman and Riley Westman. Yeah, I couldn't pick any one of those guys out. I'm like, I kept looking at him. Like, okay, I got to remember their faces because I'm going to look it up later on. But then you told me when I got yeah, here. Yeah, we've
1: talked to Riley enough times. And then when uh, we were with a couple of the players, when we saw them walk out uh, after the game. Okay. And they said, "Oh yeah, that's the guy that signed Gabriel." And like, "Oh, Chris Kemp, okay." <laughs> and I put two and two together because I didn't recognize him, but I've seen Riley enough times because it's we ran into him in Fort Wayne, we've seen him at Petco, yeah. Uh, we we see him every spring, spring training, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. So on the top of our list here, you've got the all minor league baseball team, the all mill baseball team, dude. This is.
2: Fantastic. You know, it, it's funny. Last year was the big talk about the minor league system. Um, we have all these guys, Mackenzie Gore, Luis Petinho, Chris Paddock, Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm not sure if one of those guys made the MILB team, but this year we have three. Yes. You know, with Ty France, Luis Camposano, and Mackenzie Gore. I, I'm, God, you guys, it was funny. I was just thinking last night, I was, you know, in the camera well right next to uh, – um Right next to... Gail? Uh, no, not not Rocky oh <laughs> Right next to um, uh, no. Zamo. Zamo. Oh, right okay. So the, coach's, the, more. the coach's nest is right there. I was right talking there.
1: about, about Gail from Prospects 1500. She was on the other side. Uh, okay. I did see her, and she was really
2: nice to see. Um, but Camby walks by just last night. I'm going, that boy's thick. The kid is going to be a beast. Oh, he's built he's like a tank. muscle. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not chubby. It, it is strength, and that bat speed is real, and he... You know, after a little bit more development and not much more, but a little bit more development, Mm -hmm. he could be a force to be reckoned with. Um, And Mackenzie Gore, Pitcher of the Year, uh, just dominated the California League, as everyone knows. There was just no new news to anyone.
1: And then going up uh, and doing well in Double A. Yeah. He had a couple of rough outings and some very good outings. And then they pat him on the back and say, good job. And have a good off season. We yeah. saw Joey Cantillo yesterday and same kind of thing. I told him, you know what? You're, you're healthy. You're strong. This is fantastic. And then the third person on here, Ty France, who I, I kind of feel bad that they didn't give him one more at bat so that he could finish with an ah, and- average of 400, but he just, he made, he made it look silly. Yeah. And as much of an offensive launch pad as the whole trip uh, PCL has been, he even made a joke of all of that. He is just a monster in minor leagues.
2: Yeah, and it's funny that just later this week, earlier this week, sorry, uh, that article came out from Baseball America. I sent it to you in a DM, and it was, do we even need the minor leagues anymore? Like, oh, Do yes. we need
1: so many? That was 538. That was Travis Sawchick. He used to write for Fangraphs, yeah. That
2: is an excellent article, and I think we're going to have to have a whole episode by itself just discussing that idea. Yeah, because-
1: what started his conversation was that he noticed that the Astros – had effectively cut two of their minor league teams. Yeah. So they're rostering, they're filling less minor league rosters. The idea is that you want less. It, you're you're paying for the development of a bunch of players that have less than 1% chance to make it to the big leagues. Yeah, So it's like, why are you wasting your time with all of them? Let's focus on the actual legit prospects, which is a interesting way of looking at it. But then there are so many broad... There was a chat on Fangraphs today, and that came up with Kylie McDaniel. And he pointed out that you've got... All these minor league organizations and this whole economy that's supported by it and all of the there were, are so many long-reaching ripple effects that would happen if you had these teams start to pare back how many minor league franchises they would support yeah it's a really interesting conversation
2: it's a huge conversation not to mention do we need how many? How many you know AZL teams do you need? How many rookie level teams do you need? How many rounds? You know, is the guy in the thirty ninth round? How many of those guys are gonna have a have a shot? They do have a shot because mm-hmm. they're drafted and they get a shot. Even the undrafted guys that we've seen this year with Williams and, and and other other organizations that have these undrafted free agents, they have a shot. But overall, the bulk of those players, it's just so the other players that they can that you know are here better players pardon part of my language but you know that are higher draft picks that have better skill set um can play and develop mm-hmm. you know it's the organizational guys how many how many teams of organizational guys do you need because there is a lot of money that goes into that oh yeah um the, the whole economy around it not even on the major league side but going into the small cities the uh just the economy of minor league baseball
1: oh yeah is, well we're a little bit spoiled because we're following an organization that has absolutely stocked the shelves they're overflowing so they've got all these minor league franchises and they're still having a hard time finding a spot for everybody yeah but if you go back five years or if you look at all these other franchises and you look at their double-a roster and you might see two three four guys that have a legit chance of making it to the majors and everybody else is just supporting them yeah because the pitcher needs a defense to play behind yeah and the hitter needs a lineup filled around him absolutely and
2: with the youth movement in the major league base you know in the major league baseball that they're coming
1: up quicker that was a good point in that yes you've yeah. seen a lot of guys come up from double a he was showing the productivity that guys going straight from double a are are giving versus the people that are coming up from triple a yeah. like the, they're coming up at a younger age and they're producing more right i think we're this year we're seeing a change in how they're using triple a the triple a seems to be more of a of a, a holding cell for four A guys. Right. The 40, that, well, the forty the forty man roster. Your depth for yeah. the forty man roster. So guy like Seth Mejreen just got called up. But let's be honest, he's not gonna be on the major league roster next year. No, and has he even gotten at bat? He's gotten a couple at bats. He's starting okay. tonight. Okay. Yeah, they're they're giving for the night off, so he's starting at first base. Uh he's an interesting guy. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. I want him to have a good career in baseball, but right. is he a legit major leaguer? Probably not, right. And so you stick him in AAA all year, and if a couple of guys get hurt, well, you got somebody that can come up play short, third, second, first, whatever. Yeah, I, I get that. but it used to be the AAA was an actual developmental league and it hasn't been for a, for several years really. No, it,
2: and it hasn't. And now with the with the major league baseball, and I think this is going to happen. Like, there is going to be a whole other rollout of the major league baseball going down to double A.
1: You mean the the ball itself? The ball itself. So I think we're going to see those numbers change. But it's true.
2: Like you have, nah, they t- got
1: to change the ball. They got to change something about it.
2: Why? Just people spend money on the long ball. They love the long ball. They love the offense. It makes the game fun. The 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 short attention span of the sports fan now. Uh, It needs to be entertained. And I don't think it's just a bunch of trying to get the young people, Generation Z, uh, involved in watching baseball. I think everyone just loves to watch more offense.
1: Doubles and triples are fun, too.
2: Right, but it's so much better if they can
1: just walk the bases. I guess so.
2: (laughs) But we're getting, that's, anyways, we have to go back to that. I want to, I I saved it on a file. We're going to go back to it. We're going to find some other information that we can talk to about that. Because uh, I think it's really worth
1: kind of d- digging into and, and seeing where that goes. So to recap, uh, Mackenzie Gore, Ty France, Luis Camposano, congratulations for being named to the all minor league baseball team. Absolutely. You've only got, what, 12, 13, 14 players on that list. And yeah. the Padres have three of them. Yeah. And there's 30 organizations in major league baseball. Yeah. All right. So batting leadoff. So Roll with it, it. Yeah, so
2: El Paso Chihuahuas were named a finalist in the MILB Golden Bobblehead Awards for Best Non-Game Day Event. So the Golden Bobblehead Awards is given out for Best Game Event, Best uh, you know, best Uniform, just all kinds of different uh, ways
1: to celebrate
2: the promotions that, that minor league teams do.
1: Is it an actual Golden Bobblehead that is presented to them? It is a Golden Bobblehead. I want to see this. Now, next yeah. time I go to El Paso, I'm going to have to see their trophy case so I can see the Golden Bobblehead.
2: Absolutely. And if you well and you got to follow mine well and you follow on league baseball but yeah it's really cool looking it's it's kind of cool. So they had the best game day they were nominated for best uh, non game day event for the Team Smile event. The event was held May 21st at the Southwest University Park where the Chihuahuas play. It was where okay where patients received free dental work. Huh. Um and I believe what I read and I had to look it up. I don't remember them promoting this really. It was a non game day event. So yeah. this was happened at the stadium. Uh, when the team wasn't there, and they brought a bunch of kids from this uh, from the school district, uh, and they got free dental work. That's awesome. Two hundred twenty-nine uh, local elementary kids participated. Two hundred and nine of them received dental work, Huh. and it was for free. And I saw the numbers. Like there was like seventy-eight thousand dollars worth of of dental work done. Uh, a ton of prevention. A ton of education. Um, all for. And, and I saw the breakdown because I, I I googled it. I reached out to El Paso. and They never got back to me because they're done with the season, and that's fine. We love you, El Paso, anyways. But, you know, it, primarily for kids under in, – in low income. Uh-huh. So um, – and how they found that out was the percentage of it were kids that had dental coverage.
1: Oh, okay. super low. Well, yeah, because El Paso –
2: Medica- I think Medicaid or medi whatever.
1: Oh, seeing who's on, like, public assistance kind yeah, of things. Yeah, there, there was a chart yeah. for that. Well, because El Paso is very much yeah. a middle and lower – income kind of a community you've got a large military base but then there's also a with juarez mexico right there you've got a large population of of i don't want to say migrants because they're not but they're people that have emigrated to the united states they're citizens but they're working class people right so maybe they can't afford to get health care for their kids Yeah, they've got a job they can pay the rent they can pay the car payment but then the health insurance is like that next level of luxury for people that a lot of people take for granted,
2: absolutely, and nice word there, luxury, because it is a luxury, and I've been very grateful, even in the depths of my mm. my alcoholism and, and drug addiction, that the job I had uh, had had I didn't use it, but I had dental care and I had health care when I was working at the hotels, and that, I, my teeth were rotting out of my mouth, but. Absolutely, it's a luxury. Um, it is something that it's taken for granted for a lot of people. So that was kind of cool. They were uh, not to get all morose and political and whatever, but it was kind of cool. I saw it. I wanted to put it on there. Yay, El Paso! Uh, it's not just them. Team Smile is a. It's I don't know if it's an organization, but it's uh, it's a thing that goes around to a lot of minority teams and have other other events other than just minor league baseball. So it's a whole it's a whole community of uh, dental physicians or you know, dentists that are that are doing this. It was really cool.
1: Fantastic. So getting back to the whole
2: three on uh, Mackenzie Gore, Ty France, and Luis Camposano, uh, Mackenzie Gore is named Milb, the MILB Pitcher of the Year. And MILB's Mike Rosenbaum writes, <clears throat> had a big article on this, fully healthy this year. The Padres' top prospect flashed his front of the rotation ceiling at both Class A Advanced, like Elsinore and double-A Amarillo, posting a minor league best 1.69, that's a one-point nice ERA, um, in 100 innings pitch minimum, with 135 strikeouts and only 28 walks in 101 innings. That's 20 starts. He also led the minors in whip at .83, ranked second in opponent average at 164, and third in strikeout to walk ratio rate at 28.3 and 5th in strikeout rate at 35.7. Those are some solid numbers there. So McKenzie wasn't quite himself last year, pitching with one hand tied behind his back, so to speak. So to really see him healthy from the beginning of the season to the end really allowed his stuff to shine through, said Padres Farm Director Sam Ghini. Seeing the athleticism in the delivery, seeing the stuff that was coming out of his hand on a nightly basis, seeing how he went about his work between starts, I think it all contributed to the success he had on the mound. Given handling to the top pitching prospect in baseball, the Pitcher of the Year award is voted on by the MLB pipeline staff. Players must have spent at least half the season in the minor leagues to be considered. Now, according to Sam Gini, the club, is so they shut him down. Uh, He is totally done and not going to pitch in the postseason at this point. He said, we were very pleased with his workout in terms of innings. He got over 100 innings. So we think he has a very solid base heading into 2020. So
1: that's about 10 more innings than Chris Paddock pitched last year yeah so the progression would be to have him pitch 130 maybe 140 innings next year yeah. it seems like the 30 is the magic number that they step him up year to year
2: yeah which is what another six starts maybe yeah. five points or starts so let's talk about that for a minute before okay. we go on to this so yeah <laughs> does he start does he make the team out of the spring training
1: Well, there's so much that goes into that question, right? It's a very loaded question. I like loaded questions. Well, because you've got a whole bunch of starting pitching candidates right now that are already on the roster. You've got to figure that they're going to make some moves in the offseason. In my opinion, they need to add some veteran starting pitcher, whether that's through trade or through a free agent signing. I don't know. And then Gore has to show up healthy. He has to pitch well. He has to handle himself like a pro, which I have no doubt that he will. Yeah. But still, there's a lot that has to go right for him. Right. A year, last spring, we were saying that Logan Allen and Cal Quantrill, we were kind of penciling them into the rotation. Yeah. And then they fell flat at the end of, of spring training and got passed up and wound up spending half the season in the minors. Yeah. So who knows what might happen.
2: I, I, I you know, it's funny. Part of me goes like, if he makes that spring training, I'll be like, oh, let's go. I'd be like, let's, let's, let's go. Um, you to be other,
1: like Lil John,
2: dude. Let's do it <laughs> uh, no, but, but the reality is, he's probably going to start. You know what? What's really I think going to happen, and it would be wise to do because there is. I mean, as dominant as he has been, it's one full season of minor league ball, and as as stinking good as he is. Um, you still there's some development there there's still a little bit of fine tuning and what I feel we do uh, as an organization and it showed up a lot this year is we brought guys up a little, little bit too early mm-hmm. and, and we were you know we were all enamored with how well Tatis did and Paddock and and Paddock but you saw Paddock at the end of the season start to kind of fade uh-huh. and, and even some of those middle starts where he should have been at peak performance probably need a little more seasoning needs that third pitch
1: does need to come out. Well, and I wonder if there's conditioning and not not to knock him because he's in amazing shape, but still he's going to be killer to be able to produce and consistently perform requires a lot of your body and your mind and also getting used to being on the road. And so right now they're going, they're riding a bus from town to town. They're staying in cockroach hotels when they're on the road the spreads are mediocre and then you get called up to the major leagues and you're staying in five-star resorts and everybody's wearing a suit everywhere you go. And people are asking for your autograph and you got people yelling at you all the time and media people demanding time of you and social media, I'm sure changes dramatically for those guys. It's, it's a whole lifestyle change that happens as well. Yeah. So there's a lot going on for a 20 year old kid to deal with.
2: Absolutely. And then, And then on top of, like, even, like, our seats are so close to the dugout. Like, you can feel the enormity of a Major League Baseball game. Like, every game, I, you know, say what you want, but I see Wayne out there. I see Nikki out there. And they're both just happy. Like, they are very, very privileged to be on the baseball field. And these are guys just working in the organization. You can feel that. And and to have that go in and out every every five days or every game, you Mm -hmm. know, it, it takes a toll on you. And it does that conference I said conference that that focus really uh it can wane and this is the major leagues you saw guys last night hit 90 or sorry hit 101 hit 100 if you're not on you're gonna get rocked but anyways I, I, I really so
1: what do you think of Luis Rios's struggles do you think he's got the yips or what is it
2: I do not think it's the yips it's funny on the way over here um Side Cages put out a tweet. Did you see it?
1: I haven't seen what they tweeted. Okay, so this is something... They're going ta- into mechanics, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this is what we've talked about on the on on the here. Uh, Everyone's no secret, that leg kick is high. Yep. And with that leg kick, uh, he moves forward. So the Canyon Side Cages goes, he leaks forward. That big, that step, the major league hitters
1: shouldn't be stepping forward. Yeah, as much when, as just when you see up guys with a big step, it's coming right back down and their head stays pretty much put.
2: Jose Altuve does. The foot comes up, foot goes down. It's a very small leg kick. It's not pronounced. Urias is coiled like a snake. What that does is that, A, that takes longer to get down
1: to the ground, mm-hmm. but he also, what he said, leaks, which means he comes forward. So the head moves. The whole body is forward. So when your head's moving toward the pitcher, you're effectively increasing the velocity the, um, your perceived velocity of the pitch. It's not the perceived velocity. It's for that,
2: fraction of a fraction of a second you, the ball isn't where it should be okay so your head's moving so when your head's moving you, you, you're not straight
1: now I've always wondered about how Dustin Pedroia can hit a ball because his head drops a foot as he's <laughs> as he's stepping yeah. forward
2: I I, I I don't know but it was really interesting that they had side-by-side tweets they had Altuve's like watch his foot come up watch and he had a little circle around his head uh huh, and his head never moved out of that circle Luis Urias you see it and his head is there and when he takes the
1: big step the head comes forward all the way out of the ring so that's timing so what what i was asking about would had more to do with the throws because right. that's gotten a lot of attention and what it looks to me like is he's rushing and he's thinking yeah. so the ball comes in and he's thinking about the play as he step as he's making the mechanics of actually throwing the ball their thought process is going through in his head. Where you see Machado or even Tatis, it's just reacting. Yeah, there's not that thought going on. Okay, now I'm looking at that clip that you're talking about. So it's, I th- I think that it just it takes time for the game to slow down for yeah. guys. And we're t- they've talked about that with Renfro. They I heard Andy Green using that phrase for like two years, and then finally this year you finally see that stretch where he looks like he's in control of his game yeah so it takes time for people to get to that point
2: yeah absolutely now I'm not this isn't like he's done trading and we're over but there's those adjustments that you need to do just because it works in AAA against four a pitching doesn't mean that it's going to work in major league pitching and there's also the the velocity where he's not hitting the velocity mm-hmm. and that leaking forward is all time and mechanics that get you gets you screwed up for the baseball you're looking at it now, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really interesting. So I'll go on with the article about McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, go was more effective against right handed hitters, 156, 220, 265, than he was lefties, 194, 273, and 254, and shut down opposing offenses with runners on base uh at 160, 235, 230. The 6'3", 195, uh, 195-pounder, pitches at 93 to 96 and can touch 97 throwing his fastball with late life that makes it play at a higher effective velocity he throws a pair of breaking balls in the mid 70s a plus pitch and true swing and miss offering his curveball that is and a hard slider in the low 80s he rounds out his arsenal with tumbling changeup that has plus potential and everything he throws plays up due to his big athletic leg kick and because he gets so
1: good extension towards the plate. None of this is news for any of us that have been watching him. No.
2: So, I'm like, you guys can just fast forward through this. But <laughs> Yeah, this is clearly for a national audience, people that haven't.
1: Because if you talk to me about Forrest Whitley, I don't know what Forrest Whitley does yeah. well. Or Nate Pearson. I know he can hit 100 miles an hour, but I don't know, like, what makes him effective. So that's the audience he's speaking to.
2: So oftentimes those who saw him this season would see a different way that McKenzie was able to dominate on a given night, Gini noted. Rico Lee had a fastball with Big carry, which is his signature. But it was cool to see a slider be his out pitch one night, his curveball another night, and another night it could be his changeup.
1: Okay, so I've had conversations with people about Chris Paddock being a two-pitch pitcher. Yeah. And, yeah, he's got the curveball. But what you said right there, if one pitch isn't working, he can go to something else. Yeah. If the curveball is big and loopy and it just doesn't have the shape, then he can shift to his slider. If neither of them are working, he'll just throw a changeup. Yeah, And it, with, you've got that kind of a developed repertoire. You can really kind of a, adapt to what you have that day. Fastball location isn't there. Okay, well, I'm just going to work inside, outside with breaking stuff.
2: Right. And with Paddock, you have the fastball and you have the changeup. If that fastball's leaking middle in, it's going to be ripped, or they're going to sit on the changeup, which is up. It's not a – the changeup is just off speed for him. It's not like a – I feel it's not like a Trevor Hoffman where halfway to the plate, it just drops off the table. Um so, if he has one of those pitches not working, it's going to be a short day for him. Mm-hmm. And that's where the third pitch comes in. That's where, to kind of go back for just a second, where I think the development, these guys, we rush these guys to the major leagues so quick. And it's finding baptism by fire and what can they learn in AAA. But it's those refined things that you need to do in the minor leagues that need to be pretty spot on for you to come up and have. Not immediate well sure, immediate success is what we want, but just to have, you know, that foundation that works in major league you know, in the big leagues. So it is, but that, that's also, what, that's dude, why
1: I'm a fan of calling a guy up, working him for a couple of weeks, let him right. expose some weaknesses, show them to him, and then send him back with a clipboard full of notes to work on. Right.
2: Which they did with the Franimal, which they did with uh with Renfro. Mm-hmm. So even after his breakout 2019 season, the consensus among the many evaluators, um, both inside and outside of the organization, is that Gore is only scratching the surface of his true potential. What's really exciting is there's more to come from McKenzie as next year approaches, and we think this guy has a chance to be very good for a long time, said Gini. He has very standards, uh, very high standards for himself, and, he, and we have high expectations for him that are very closely rivaled by his own expectations. <laughs> By sorry, by his expectations, and we think his work ethic and how he approaches his craft is going to lead to a lot of success in the future.
1: Yeah, he's relentless. Yeah, I and mean, they they talked about Chris Paddock's work ethic coming up, and then you hear people say yeah. the same thing about him that it is all business. Yeah, and that's what you want
2: from a guy. You want those guys hungry. Well, with,
1: with Mac, you know, it's funny the couple times that we talked to
2: him in or I talked to him in uh, Lake Elsinore. You know, first the three walks—that's bad. Like, dude, you three walks in like, like sixty innings. Like, you, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that high expectation breeds
1: him. The breeds the work, and with that work ethic, you're going to get better. Well, because you know that those three walks, it, once you get up to the major league level, they're uh, going to make you. They're going to make those pay. Hey. All right, so speaking of Mackenzie Gore, his uh, brother from another mother, you Luis Patino, uh minor league baseball's Jesse Sanchez wrote a piece on him.
2: Absolutely. Luis Patino was giving his parents a tour of the dugout. This is killer. This is killer. You guys are really going to enjoy this article if you haven't read it. Luis Patino was giving his parents a tour of the dugout at Lake Elsinore, the Diamond, in late June on a beautiful morning in Southern California when an unknown phone number popped up on his cell phone screen. This is it, the prospect said. Uh, the prospect told himself. I'm going to get traded, and it's going to be in front of my parents. They came from Columbia to see me. This is a nightmare. On the other end of the line was Sam Gini, the club's senior director of player personnel, who had important news about the young man's future. The pitcher grimaced, looked at his parents and prepared for the worst. Then Gini told him the team had been selected to pitch in the 2019 Syrix XM All-Star Futures game next weekend in Cleveland. Getting that news was a dream come true, Patino said in Spanish. I admit that I was a little nervous to answer the phone. I was a bit scared. The next step is getting him to instructional league. Having a plan and following the plan, says Chris Kemp, who serves as both international scouting director and minor league field coordinator for the Padres. He was at the game last night.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Excuse me. We want him to have a great offseason, come to another strength and conditioning program in January, and we'll see where it goes from there. We just want, we just want to focus on what's ahead of him and work from there. The Padres saw him for the first time at an international prospect showcase organized by Major League Baseball in February of 2016 in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. The young right-hander was generously listed, generously listed, at five foot hundred and fifty five pounds. I got one hundred and fifty-five pounds around my midsection right now.
1: Okay, so you've walked, you've stood next to him in street clothes. Oh yeah. How tall do you think he really is? He's like six two, almost six he's six two. Okay.
2: And last time I interviewed him right after that, right after the uh Sirius XM game, I, I as he walked away, I, I don't mean to sound this creepy, but I took a long look at him and he's
1: he's got muscle. Well he's cause he's still listed at six foot.
2: Yeah, he he looks taller than six foot. I no? wonder if
1: he's still growing.
2: He could still. A, he's only nineteen. Still, yeah. Um, he did have, you know, could be with the Afro, the little fro he has. Could Uh-oh. be six yeah. foot. What, six, like six two with Chevy a,
1: Chase and Fletch? Right. Could <laughs> he's be. six foot two, six um, eight with the Afro.
2: But what I was saying, you know, he has calves. Like, there's muscle there, and he's going to add a little bit more to that, which shouldn't take away from the flexibility. I'm sure he'll have, still have the flexibility with the, you know, like McKenzie with the with the high leg kit. He's going to need to stay flexible, but it, he has the frame for it. <clears throat> so they saw him first at 155 pounds. The Padres liked what they saw from Patino that day in the Dominican. Athleticism and a fastball that hovered in between 83 and 85 miles an hour. They just needed to see more. They got their chance a few months later in Cartagena, Colombia, in between prospects, in between games for prospects eligible to sign the next period. Most of the prospects in the 2016-2017 class, excluding Patino, had informal agreements with clubs, so... Teams had moved on to scouting the 17 and 18 players. There was an announcement in Spanish basically saying some kids were going to throw and I heard Patino's name, which I knew, Kemp said. I'm thinking that we better stick around to watch this guy and I'm glad we did. He was 85, 88, really athletic and really loose. He looked like a kid, but that was making a jump. He looked like a kid that was making a jump and we were immediately interested. Patino and his father made the two-hour trip from their home in Barraquilla, to Estadio Once de Noviembre for the tryout as a last resort. He returned home that night feeling optimistic. Patiño signed with the Padres for $130,000. July 2nd, 2016, and was placed in the team's academy in the DR. This is where it gets absolutely. Ugh, just God, you know, I just. You guys, I love. And I'm sorry to stop it again. I love these stories. I love. Like, could you imagine? And this is what Guinea said, talking about going down to Venezuela and parts of Colombia. Like, we go to places where it's not friendly. Like, they're not high on the gringos. And they're going through questionable, you know, uh, roadblocks. Uh, you know, from paramilitary, not military, but paramilitary people to see some kid. You can just see these guys round in the corner on some dirt road. All of a sudden, there's a ball field with a bunch of damn ball players. You know, in in the middle of highly dangerous parts of Latin America, like it just it's so romantic to me. Okay, back in 2016, our coaches in the DR were telling me that Luis was going to throw 95 and that his arm was fast and his arm was clean. Kemp recalled, and I was like, okay, we'll see. You know, how many times do you he hear that? You're gonna love this guy. You're gonna love, him. and you have to trust that information. But still, um, then he hit 91 and slowly went up each year. It increased to 92, 93, and then 94, 95, and now he's up to upper 90s. It's been phenomenal and fun to watch. Patino's parents, Carlos Patino Jimenez and Zulma Arzuza Rada, Rada are college professors and have worked at universities across Colombia for the last 25 years. Their jobs often took them hundreds of miles away from Patino and his older sister, Sylvia. For weeks and sometimes months at a time. In their parents' absence, the children were raised by grandparents and their two live-in nannies.
1: Did you watch the show on Fox Sports about um, Fernando Tatis Jr. and uh, Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? I did not. Oh, you got to watch that. It's a a great story. And they talk about, I think it was Guerrero's grandmother that had to leave, left the country to go work a job to support the family. And it... It's a, it's a fantastic thing. You're going to definitely have to check that out. Uh, so
2: there were lots of hard years and we saw them as much as we could, Carlos said in, in Spanish from Colombia. Fortunately, my parents and their nannies were like mothers and helped us. Looking back, it was a great decision. My daughter is a professional and Luis Fernando is where he is. We sacrificed for the family and it paid off. Do we actually call him Luis Fernando?
1: Only when he does something bad.
2: Right. (laughs) I was saying, Luis Fernando, throw a strike. It's like a three. Okay. Luis Fernando. (laughs) We got to, uh, that's, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's, who's that? Oh, it's Luis Fernando's middle name.
1: We're going to have to hold on to that for spring training when we're (laughs) watching them do PFPs. And he's like, you know, doing bunt drills and he, he, you know, dogs one and throws the ball over the first baseman or something. Uh,
2: absolutely. You're not going to call him Chewy because that's his nickname. Um, okay, so on the last day of June, the pitcher's parents flew from Lake Elsinore back to Columbia as originally scheduled. They still made it to Cleveland
1: in time to watch him throw at the Futures game less than a week later. That's awesome. I love that when they have a chance to to bring the yeah. family and get them to, to see yeah. something. Like the story of bringing Bolaño's family over to watch his, his debut. We talked about that last time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cleveland
2: was one of the best experiences we've ever had as a family, as Olma said. There are no words to describe it. We are so happy to be able to share it with him. Petinho struck out three batters, including Angel's top prospect, Joe Adele, on a 98.2-mile-per-hour fastball in, a hunt, uh, in an inning and two-thirds in the Futures game. He later, added, he later added Gini's number to his contact list to avoid any future surprises, and just in case he gets the call
1: one day. Just in case. I mean, that's, it's just a matter of time.
2: I want to get to the big leagues, and I'm preparing for that, Petinho said. My goal is to stay healthy. Maybe I can be there in 2020. I know. I have learned a lot, and I still have a lot to learn.
1: You know, on, on top of all the success that he's had and all the attention that he gets, he still remains a, a humble person. Yeah. You get a chance to talk to him, and he's, 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 he's got the smile and the charisma, but he's, and he's a kid. Yeah. And I, I hope that when he, when he comes up, we just went up to Anaheim to go, see, to go visit Fran Mel Reyes yeah. when the Indians came to play the Angels. That was excellent. And he's a superstar, I'm by he drives a a Lamborghini now and he's, you know, the media is starting to take attention to who he is, but still he sees us and he comes over and he spent all kinds of time and he knew a bunch of us just from social media engagements or seeing us at baseball games. So that was, that's heartwarming that you see that He's still the same person, right? He doesn't make that leap to right. the big leagues and become a big timer and just, right. you know, whatever. I don't have time for you. I've got a, I've got a job to go do.
2: Yeah, and that was great because he went down that whole line and and gave high fives, signed balls, gave you know, Geekster a hug. He he gave Angela. He hugged yeah, everybody. Yeah, he hugged everybody. <laughs> he gave and, me a hug. And for you guys to go up there, it, that made the news that night. I think it even made a couple of a couple of national. Oh yeah. Twitter profiles, I think, forward that right. kind of message. Um, even, even James Clark's like, you know, the, the marketing department must just be spinning in their wheels right now because it's not that they didn't trade like they, the trade, we understand the trade and hindsight being 2020, even if, even if as bad as Renfro has been the past few weeks or several weeks since the trade,
1: apparently he's playing through an injury.
2: Okay. That's fine. But it would, you know, it would have been you know it's just bad cuz he's so friendly so outgoing so engaging he's and, a marketable person absolutely yeah. and you're going to get that with you had that with Bebo you have that with uh with with Manny that they love playing the game love having a good time like just sitting by the dugout like you see the other day we were sitting up in 213 and and Tatis was riding Luis was riding Urias and was in the dugout, just farting around, having a good time. And here's a guy that should be bummed out. I'm injured. I can't play anymore. Um, having a good time, that's remarkable. That, the, the personalities that come out of players, I think, is fantastic. Now, can every ball player be so outgoing and, and, and happy as, as a Tatis or a Franimal? No,
1: not everybody's wired like that.
2: And that's fine. But to have those guys that are like that, that are friendly, that are outgoing, that are having... It's a hard game. It's fun to watch. It's totally fun to watch. But we're going to now get into the meat of our podcast, and that is
1: the playoffs. Maybe. It's no longer the affiliate rundown. It's the playoff it's rundown. It's the playoff rundown. And I like how you started from the bottom, and we're working our way up now.
2: Oh, absolutely. So now we're starting at Tri-Cities. So this recap came from Tri-Cities and Mad So this is the Game 3 clincher. They, uh, the, the first two games were fantastic. If you if you, if you got to watch any of it, they were great. But this is the game three clinches. So, so
1: the 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 first round of the playoffs is a best of three series. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Second round is also best of. The second round is best of five for for Tri Cities for Tri Cities.
2: Yes. Well, tonight's the tonight's the tonight game.
1: is game five of that series. Okay.
2: I, for, I, it's been a lot of baseball going on. Yeah, but
1: you've got clincher here, so you're talking about game three of the semifinals. Yeah. This
2: is this is the first first uh, first round. Sorry.
1: So they walked away with
2: their win. To the championship series versus the Hillsborough Hops on a walk-off walk by Sean Gilby. That was fantastic, dude. I wa—I listened to the game, and I think there was a single, and the guy walked a guy, and there's stolen base. That guy's got over. Then there was another walk, and he walked in the room. Happened last night with C-Sheck. You walk, you're so afraid, or you lose control, or you don't want to give them a pitch to hit. You're hoping they're going to chase. I think this is more ladder of like, he just lost his control. Um, and you lost the game by walking a guy.
1: And that's not just a game, it's the game where you win yeah, or go home. It's barbecue time now. You go home. Oh, man. Um,
2: and that is the worst. That's a baseball nightmare. So, a pair of two RBA singles in the first two innings of the game gave Tri Cities an advantage. They would keep until the ninth inning. The lead slipped away after Spokane rallied on uh, to it in the top of the ninth inning. Right-handed pitcher Nick DeWaite, who's pitching tonight for the final game, who ironically started the season as their opener for Tri-City, said so he was not only opening day starter, he will not be starting the last game of their season tonight. A little FYI. Battled and kept Spokane off the board despite allowing eight base runners on four and a third innings. Logan Driscoll had a pair of hits and drew a walk in the victory. The catcher outfielder went four for 12 with three walks and a pair of RBIs in the series. The 21-year-old was the highest draft pick to appear in Pasco this summer. Right-handed pitcher wen Hu Sung came out of the bullpen and threw a pair of scoreless innings, striking out four in the process. The 23-year-old pitcher was very, uh, very well in his second stint Pitched very well, sorry, in his second stint in the Northwest League. And after struggling last year, Sung struck out 59
1: batters in four and a third innings. 40, 41 and a third. 41 inning. Th- thank you very much. And pitched to a 3.05 ERA. So you mentioned Logan Driscoll is playing catcher and outfield. Yeah. Uh, today, Madfriars put out an interview with Johnny Hamza yeah. from Alaska, who was drafted as a shortstop, but they immediately converted him to catcher and now he's splitting time between catcher and third base as he's learning the job. And I, I find that whole process fascinating. Plus, I find it really fascinating that you've got a kid from Alaska that they drafted, that baseball players don't come out of Alaska. Yeah. I've, I've been fascinated with him. And Since so, that signing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and he's not on social media anywhere. <clears throat> he hasn't really – this is his first time, I think, getting out of the complex, and so he's just an interesting guy. He hit a grand slam in one yeah, of the games in this series. He did. That's the – only home run he's hit all season.
2: Yeah. And that was a huge home run. Yeah. And the home run at a Geisa Stadium is like it's gotta be a cannon shot. It does. So that game is tonight. Hold on, just let's finish up with tri seasons Because yeah. tonight, you guys, if, if you don't want to watch the Padre game or if you want to watch the Padre game, throw on tune in, throw on Chris King. He's a fant- it's a fantastic broadcast. It's a championship game for the short season team. You also have Amarillo tonight,
1: which we're gonna get into right after Lake Elsinore. Um, They're playing tonight So before we move on to Lake Elsinore I found a really interesting article in The Athletic Uh, So Big League Chew And it's I love Big League Chew It's a fantastic bubble gum It's got great flavor It comes in the pouch So it kind of looks like a tobacco pouch And that's the origin You know guys wanted to They wanted to look cool Like they're chewing tobacco But they're actually chewing bubble gum Because they care about their health Yeah So Jim Bouton Who wrote Ball 4 Passed away recently Uh, When he was playing for the portland mavericks which was an independent league in the 70s which is a whole other podcast but we'll go into that so him and a teammate invented big league chew and that teammate pitcher rob nelson is now involved with running the hillsborough hops
2: interesting yeah so if you guys don't know that's a great story but if you guys don't know the mavericks the portland mavericks um that's Michael Douglas. Is it Michael Douglas? Kurt,
1: Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell was a teammate on that. Kurt Russell's father ran the team. That's it. And he was one of the players. And apparently between Jim Bouton and Kurt Russell, they were like the two rock stars on the team. This is a fantastic article on the... Corey Brock wrote it on yeah, yeah, The Athletic. Yeah, so please look it up, read it. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. But, I mean, they started this company... They went out and bought a bubble gum making machine. They wanted to come up with the with the formula to do it. It was an idea that uh, one of their ball boys helped come up with. Just to, I mean, it's a fantastic article about a product that I've always kind of enjoyed, and I've always attached it to baseball. Obviously, yeah, it, I it was around when I was a little kid.
2: Yeah, but if you guys get a chance, it's the bastard boys of summer. Yes, that was the Netflix series. Is the Netflix movie on on I think YouTube or Netflix or whatever? Yeah, I need I haven't seen it. I need to watch it. You. It, it Well, from a minor league podcast standpoint, we uh, have no formal uh, statement on the uh, impact that it had on minor league baseball. But what minor league baseball basically did to Portland, because they were a come try out to our team. Come try out. Come on. And they had guys like smoking in the dugout, like guys that were just wanted to play ball and they, you know, were released by other teams Were just, they weren't minor league players. They just, they just like, had a bunch of guys show up. And the film footage they have with these guys, you know, they're, like, cut off. It's in the 70s, so it's, like, cut off jeans. This team ended up doing really well, starting to get in the draw, starting to, like, the promotions. I think they kind of really started the promotion stuff in minor league baseball. So they got so popular, and they ended up beating, like, the minor league teams that they played against in some championship game. The Actually, I think the very, very last game, they lost. But, like, they beat a couple of the affiliated clubs because they really didn't have too many other people to play. So, finally, minor league baseball goes apart and goes, okay, so if you don't shut this team down, you'll never have another minor league ball club in in Portland. Mm. It's a little bit of a bad story because they're like, it's the big boys against David versus Goliath. Yeah. And eventually, you know, it's a great show. Uh, you guys check it out. But it's, and, and through that they talk about that, the big league, chew.
1: Do they? Okay.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's <laughs> it's a phenomenal show. I, I can't wait to read that. Corey Brock used to write for the UT. Uh, he was our beat writer back in the day. He was the beat writer when me and Liddy, when I proposed to Liddy at spring training, uh, he came up. I'm like, dude, Cory like Liddy's like, dude, that's Corey Brock. He's like, hey, how you guys doing? I'm like, hey Corey, what's up? Like, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's move on. Let's go. We got. We're just getting everyone. They got like three people that are listening to this at the gym or like on some long
1: drive. Moving on to Lake Elsinore. <laughs> it's all right. Leisure Fryer is out for his walk, so we're just entertaining him. All
2: right. So we're we're yeah we're right about the Leisure, like three mile mark for liege. Um. So this is recap came from Mad Friars, M A L Jordan Wolf and Kyle Glazer. Kyle Glazer was at the game yesterday. I had no idea.
1: Where was he? Because he I don't know, but he he was he gave a report on uh, on what um, Garrett Richards did. And some of those guys can do it without without watching. No, I bet you he was there. He was probably sitting back there hanging out a couple rows behind AJ. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Because yeah, there were a lot of people in that section. I didn't go over there yesterday.
2: No, and neither did I. I didn't want to be a fanboy and go like, hey, what's up? Uh, hey, Kyle, you remember me? We met once. Um, but I also noticed that the spread last night was, it was airline breast from chicken, airline breast, uh, green beans, and some pita bread. A little nicer. A little ciabatta. It was very much a little nicer.
1: There wasn't bologna and cheese sandwiches no, on was. white bread.
2: <laughs> but it was all gone by the time I got there. I'm like, ah, oh, it's, it's a playoff game. So moving on. Um, game for bolstered by contributions from their late season reinforcements from the Tin Caps, smoke run to Cucamonga to take the series and advance to the California League Finals, led by Tukapita Marcano's two-run double. Marcano, who turns 20 next week, he turns 20 on Monday. Went 6-for-16 in the series. AJ Martinez turned in his second straight stellar outing since joining the club. The 22-year-old righty, who posted a 3.36 ERA in 75 innings within 10 caps this year, allowed just a single and a walk while working uh, off fastball and sitting in the mid-90s. The Mexicali native, I love that he's from Mexicali. My parents are from El Centro. Now three years removed from his Tommy John surgery, which I didn't know, had the best year of his four-year career. His performance was phenomenal. He had nerves of steel, storm manager Tony Tarasco said. He executed. He had a good, heavy fastball tonight, but his equalizer was that changeup, which is one of his better pitches. The Mexican right-hander came out sitting 95-96 to 96 on his fastball and held his velocity the whole way while mixing in a late-breaking mid-80s slider and deceptive low-80s changeup with cutting action. He retired 13 of his 14 batters, including the final two on swinging strikeouts. That part was written by Kyle Glazer, and that's what I love about Kyle. I love getting that information out to people because people want to know, well, he's pitching really well. Where does he throw? Mm -hmm. Is he a junk ball pitcher like uh, Osvaldo Hernandez, or does he throw gas with the good off-speed stuff?
1: He does a good job of kind of
2: packaging that. And I believe that's why he's – you're right. I'm sure he was sitting over there with AJs and the scouts – Talking to those guys, he's not. He's familiar with all of them, so he can get velos. He can get what pitch is what pitch. So, But, but that's what I love about Cal when he does that kind of stuff. In the California League, in his California, day de- hello, one more time, in his Cal League debut on August 30th, Martinez gave up one run on six hits across six innings, striking out seven. That was a big spot, too, as the Storm were battling for the South Division second-half crown. So far, he's come up and pitched, Two very big, important games for us, Tarasco said. That's extremely impressive, and I'm very humbled by the opportunity to be a part of watching him grow. Luis Camposano singled in a run in the third to open the scoring. In the top of the fifth, though, the number 14th uh, Padres prospect Gabriel Arias and Eggy Rosario drew consecutive two out walks off right-handed Jose Martinez. Twelfth ranked Tercer Ornellis followed with a single to right to drive in Arias, and Lee Solomon singled home Rosario on the next pitch. Olivier Basabi slapped a hit off the glove of third baseman and Dodgers number and uh, 16 prospect, Miguel Vargas, to bring home Arnellis. 13th, uh, 13th rank took a Peter Marcano, then doubled the left, driving in Solomon and Bazabi to cap off a five-run outburst. Marcano f- finished <laughs> three for five with three RBIs like Martinez. He hasn't been with Lake Gilson or long. He was promoted from class a Fort Wayne just for the postseason. season.
1: You know, yeah. After being around him in Fort Wayne, they, he's got no fear. No. He doesn't care who's out there. He's just, I'm going to no. beat you.
2: No. So later on uh, we have, I have, I entered, I talked to him last night and I talked to coach Tarasco and I had a minute with uh, Mason Fox. So at the end of this episode, we're going to play those a little bit of snippets. Uh, the interview with, with Tuk is really cool, so was Coach Trasco, and and Mason's really he's a really cool guy.
1: Well, Mason was coming off that outing where he gave up back to back home runs to lose the game. Yeah. in uh, in Rancho Cucamonga, and then he came in yesterday and pitched. I think he pitched two innings, and he was credited with the win. Yeah, absolutely. Two so, very solid innings.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He was throwing that. In, you'll you'll hear in the in review, He was hitting mid nineties. Uh, to be a part of it, the to be a part of high leverage, high pressure situations, and be able to perform, I'm sure. It's going to it's going to do wonders for his confidence. He's just another player in this bottomless well of talent that have that we have here in the Padres organization. That's Coach Tarasco. Henry Henry struck out six over two innings of relief, shrugging off a two-run homer by Kendall, followed uh, followed by fellow righty Nick Kuja, friend of the podcast, closed it out on two spotless frames, striking out the side in the ninth.
1: Keynote there, and I have it in dark.
2: Xavier Edwards did not get a hit.
1: He's been hitting like crazy, though, since he came up, though. It's right. Yesterday, I think he went two for three or two for four. He's <laughs> Every time he gets up, he's on base. Absolutely. So he had an off night. That's okay. He's allowed. All right. So before we move on to double Amarillo, I decided to go and look and pull some numbers on Tier Soranelas. Yeah. So... He was struggling mightily at the start of the season. His strikeout rate went way up. Um, he was striking out almost thirty percent of the time. Um, he was drawing a ton of walks, but he was making very little contact. What contact he was making was weak. Yeah. So they sent him down to the Arizona Fall Le- or the uh, Arizona Summer League. He spent a couple weeks down there and then came back up. And I remember you and I were standing there when he came up, and I was watching him in the on deck circle, and I saw that he was practicing this like very short abbreviated. Like, he was starting with his hands at his shoulders and just going straight to the ball. Yeah. So that tells me that they're trying to shorten him up. Yeah. And what do you know? Since then, he's been hitting very well. It looked like there was a little bit of adjustment, which there always is. But he's been on fire in the postseason. It, it was- does look quick. And for
2: someone who's not an evaluator, you notice the difference. And you, we, we it was documented this whole season. is like, Tersonel is still like three strikeouts. Almost it was just sad to watch and a couple of the other evaluators that we uh, we read about in other publications or whatever were like here's what's wrong with him he's doing this and it's, it's, you're getting weak contact because he's just way long um, well, had, but okay so that, so that was
1: quick. Jason Panini that, that wrote that up right
2: uh, Jason, uh, this other Cal League guy that uh, I remember
1: finding a snippet of that somewhere on Twitter. So they were talking more about like approach and and that kind of stuff. Where really it's just it's getting the loop out of the swing, getting yeah. the extra motion out, so that you're not taking that extra fraction of a second to load and get in position. Yeah, it's just get in position before the pitch is even out of his hand, yeah. and you have time to get there. So since coming back up, he's batting two eighty-two, getting on base at a three thirty-eight clip. He's slugging 394, so he hasn't been hitting for a ton of power, but he's only striking out 11.7% of the time and drawing a walk almost 8% of the time in 18 games and 77 plate appearances between coming back up and the end of the regular season. In the postseason, he's hitting 368, getting on base at a 435 clip, and he his slugging is 526, granted in a small 23 plate appearance um, yeah. sample. He's only struck out once in that time with three walks. Yeah, He...
2: Young guys, don't worry about the power. Get the stroke down. Get that approach down. Get that part down. And they always say the power will come. He is a, an Adonis. That, that kid's oh, yeah. got a body of, of just... It, he's, he's, a, it's he's an he's Six foot
1: three, six foot four, broad shoulders. He's just cut. Absolutely. The, the jawline isn't the only thing that's chiseled on that man.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you. So let... There's so much to dream on there. And sure, he's going to be a corner outfielder. Will he be... Uh, you know, is he going to be a burner on the base pass? Is he going to be have an incredible range? Probably
1: not. But if he can hit and he can play decent outfield, hell yeah, bring that. You know, let that develop. So the other number that I pulled was isolated power, and it's I went on my uh, prospects live. They've got their minor graphs, yeah, tool, and so I I pulled some different graphs here, but and I I can't. I can't show you the graph on our audio format, but his ISO dropped down in June and July and August. It was below 0.050. So that's isolated power, slugging minus batting average. Yeah. And then since he's come back from the the uh, the Arizona Summer League, it's crept back up. So he's striking out less. He's drawing walks at an acceptable rate. He's hitting for average, and the power's starting to show up a little bit. You know, to,
2: to use something that we always talk about to describe prospects is that his stock is rising well you could see his stock was dropping in the beginning of the year yeah bottomed out and you're like all right sell
1: sell sell somebody might have been saying sell 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 but i'm saying buy 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 right 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 where's the mad money guy right
2: right. now? (laughs) i don't know i haven't seen that show in a long time
1: <laughs> I just know he's over the top. That's all. <laughs>
2: he is way over the top. But bye, bye,
1: bye on uh, Tiersornelas.
2: Yeah, yeah. On top, on top of a great kid. On top, yeah. On top of just a, he's a nice kid. Yeah. He's always with a smile in the dugout. Always looks over to us and goes, eh, you know, just, just. Well, we'll I just want to acknowledge none. I don't want it, but he always gives you acknowledgement. Like,
1: and I've seen up. him flub plays. He'll mess a play up, and it doesn't seem to mess with him that much. Yeah. I'll Jason Rosario will will miss a play and he'll you see it in his demeanor that it really he doesn't like to let the team down and yeah. he it he he sh, he gets rid of it eventually yeah. but it you can see that it weighs on him where Tirso he'll he'll mess a play up in the field but then all right I just got to go back out there and get it yeah so Absolutely. he's 19, he'll learn. That's what they're there for, is to make those mistakes and learn and adjust.
2: Yeah, so there's, you know, the, all this talk of, there's and believe me, the, we everyone knows this is nothing new, once again, that most of the minor league system is chock full of pitching. There are some position players there, and Terceau's one of them, that are going to keep developing, are going to be major league hitters eventually someday, where it's not just going to be pitchers, there's going to be some hitters, some position players that are going to come up to the system
1: but we gotta have patience. But patience. So he might start next year in Amarillo. Maybe he'll go through a big slump in Amarillo. Maybe he'll have to get sent back down or yeah. spend another couple weeks in this in Arizona to straighten some things out. Maybe he'll spend a couple years in Amarillo. Yeah. Who knows? But patience and hard work will get him there.
2: Yeah, and that's what I liked about you know in in spring training the, the, the games are, are chalked up with like high A double A guys and, and, and triple A and double A guys. And then the, the like the A ball guys are mixed in with high A guys that were you know in Lake Elsinore, but were um, in Fort Wayne. So they're kind of playing each other with like in higher graded players. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing a, in the Double A games in, next year in spring training, just to kind of see where he is. That mm-hmm. evaluation. Um, he's still really young. He's nineteen. Uh, do you want to bring him up? I think we might want to see this adjustment a little bit more in Lake Elsinore next year uh, just to make sure that it's there.
1: You well, know, we don't know what he's going to do in the off season. He right. might go play in the Mexican professional winter league. Uh, and then what is he going to look like next spring? And there's so much to do between yeah. now and then to make that decision. So Absolutely. That's, you talk to these guys, you, I mean, if we were to talk to Sam Gini right now, he would have no answer right. on anybody. Right. I don't know. Everything changes between now and then it, it does.
2: And that's exciting to see who's going to go play winter ball. Yeah, like I'm stoked. We we love. I can't wait to find out the four pitchers they're going to be playing in the
1: A.Z.L. Yeah, they haven't released the instructional roster yet. No, I'm, not yet. I keep checking for that. Ah,
2: okay. Moving on to the final game. This is Game Five Sunday for uh, this uh, Mad Friars and the MLB Shlomo Sprung, who we were big fans of here at Friars on the Farm. Uh, they won in their inaugural season. They are going to be the Texas League. They're going to the Texas League Finals. Facing elimination against the Oakland A's affiliate, Double A Midland Rock the South now, Poodles they won, were down three, zero and straight.
1: three. Yeah, 0 and, zero and two, and they had to win three straight to come back three and win. Straight. That's awesome. Absolutely. Sunday, Amarillo exploded for seven runs in the
2: second inning. The first seven hitters reached base against Rock Hounds starters James Naily, Nail? After a single, a double, and a walk loaded the bases. First baseman Kyle Overstreet cleared them with a double. Potters number twenty-five prospect Buddy Reed plated over straight with a single and took second on the throw. Trammel was credited with a sacrifice when he tried to move Reed over to third, but first base from Dan Gamache was charged with an error and missed, cat, and missed the catch. Ivan Castillo cranked the first pitch he saw for a two-run homer. Sorry, scratch that. Three-run homer to left center to field com- com- to complete the outburst. Thank you. English language. By game's end, every Amarillo batter recorded at least one hit. Taylor Trammell was back on bases four more times Sunday, collecting a pair of his, a pair of hits and a walk, and reaching on an air. The outfielder, who turns 22 next week we'll have to look at that uh, was the only Amarillo batter to collect multiple hits on the day. The one thing we preach in this organization is on base percentage and getting on base. Amarillo manager Philip Wellman said, and guys have taken it to heart. We executed tremendously well and got big hits. While Midland pushed a runner to third base twice in the first four innings, lefty Aaron Leisher, late, sorry, Aaron Leisher, thank you, did a nice job of escaping both threats in the second outing, in his second outing since joining Amarillo. But things came apart for the Padres' 2017 six-round pick in the fifth inning as the Rockhounds opened the frame with three straight singles, Leischer immediately gave up a double and a walk before giving away and was charged with four runs on the day. The 23-year-old posted a 3.15 ERA across 120 innings for the Storm this year. He will most certainly will be in the rotation next year. Great job, Aaron. That may have been the longest mentally straining game I've ever managed in my life. <laughs> Said Philip Wellman. Yeah, he's managed a lot of games. <laughs> Our offense kind of went into hibernation, and they just kept pecking away to their credit. Big righty Jordan Guerrero picked up the win with two hitless frames of relief. The hard-throwing reliever held Cal League opponents to a 2-0-2 average this year while posting a 57-19 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 52 and two-thirds innings. Jordan Guerrero will go down as an unsung hero in this game because he really came in and attacked and was aggressive, Wellman said. He restored order and was the stopper. He restored order and was the stopper. It sounds like it should be like something from Star Wars.
1: Yeah, I could see Palpatine, Palpatine saying that. All right, so Travis Radke set down Midland in the order for the, in the ninth for the save. I, I think that's appropriate because Travis Radke spent has spent a lot of time in Double A, so yeah, good for him to get the cherry on top of the Sunday of that playoff series.
2: Absolutely. So they're playing right now. Do you have that game up right now? Yeah,
1: they're down nine to eight.
2: Well, that's still. Lots. It's the
1: top of the third. There's been a ton of scoring in this game. Yeah, so and, we're gonna have to flip it on here and see what's going on up in. Uh, out in Amarillo. Absolutely. And, and real quick, we're going to go. So if you guys are still around listening, we're going to have Tony
2: Tarasco talk about last night's game. We're going to have uh, my little interview with Tukapita Marcano. It's about, about 10 minutes total of, of content. And so
1: Tukapita told you that his English wasn't very good. Walking out of the
2: clubhouse, he's like, I don't speak English.
1: Did, did you tell him that your English sometimes is. <laughs> right.
2: I said, you're, it, believe me, you're going to be fine. <laughs> No, I'm
1: glad Tuco took the time to talk to you.
2: He did, and next year we're going to go a little more depth. I just wanted to talk to him about how well he's been doing since he's been up. Um, I wanted to talk to Henry, Henry, but he was uh, he was in the shower when I went to go talk to guys. So if you guys stick, so around you didn't take that, the
1: microphone into the shower with you? No, it's just it's still awkward, <laughs> you know. Being,
2: I understand how women can feel uncomfortable in a in a in a, in a big league, small, major league, any kind of major league clubhouse for any sport because
1: the dudes don't care.
2: They yeah, don't care. Yeah,
1: no, I would feel awkward. I haven't gone down there. I would feel awkward walking around in that environment. Yeah. And then you talk to Mason Fox. And then I talk to Mason Fox for a minute. So in the coming week, do you have plans on, uh, are you going to try to get up to Visalia at all?
2: I No, Visalia is like, in, no. It's, it's like five same. hours away. Yeah, no, I can't. So
1: the, because uh, Lake Elsinore, they're in a best of five series. Today yeah. is game two that they're playing in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. And then the final three games are going to be in Visalia. Yeah. And then you've got the uh, final game of Tri-Cities going on tonight. And then in Amarillo, this is their second game of a five-game series against the Tulsa Drillers. And
2: that is the – that's it. That's for the Texas League Championship. Yeah. Can you imagine and, – and just real quick, Taylor Trammell, you know, at the end of the season, the last two or three weeks of the season, really turned it on. He did. And then when it came into the postseason, has continued to turn it on. That makes – it you know it kind of makes I know it's a short short sample size at the end of a season, but to see this happen in the playoffs, uh, just it's it makes me feel a little bit better about the trade because we know we don't scout the scout line, but you still can't help but see when he came over he was hitting a buck seventy nine.
1: Well, what I like seeing is that he comes up in big at bats and he's delivering. Yeah, so I it's granted it's a, you know you're playing in front of a few thousand people, it's not forty thousand people in a major league ballpark, but still. The game's on the line. You got your, your team and your coaches. They're all, you know, you feel the weight of that on your shoulders, yeah. and he can rise above that and perform. Absolutely.
2: And he is doing that. So it's, it's nice to see. It's good.
1: it's good to see his stock rising at the very end of the quarter. So in the meantime, we're going to Denver. Angela and I, we're flying out to Denver Friday. We're going to go to the Rockies games Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So for three days, we will care greatly about the Padres again. For well, three days only. And well, And we'll we'll be keeping an eye on what's going on in the minors as well. And we'll be looking for you on those games. So you guys stay
2: tuned for the, uh, the little interviews I have with Tony, uh, Mason, and Tuca. And
1: until then, you can find me on Twitter, SDDonovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. All right. Go Padres. Go Padres.
2: We're here with Coach Tony Tarasco. 5 2 win against the Vassalia Rawhide. Coach, it's been a really good run so far for you guys in the postseason.
4: Yeah, um, it's been fun. Uh, again, these guys are showing their tena- tenacity, their built in tenacity, which you get with a lot of these kids. They don't have quit. I think that's probably the most important thing. And when you have guys who go out there and leave it all on the field, you got an opportunity.
2: Now, one of the things that you're, you're you're teaching in the organization here, or at least with the storm, uh, you know, to not only never quit, but these guys are young and they're playing in the you know this is the biggest stage that they've been on in their early careers. Uh, what are you kind of telling those guys, to do to kind of stay in the moment?
4: Well, always trying to teach them how to slow the game down, uh, do what the game is asking. Uh, a lot of these guys run to the fire, so the bigger the moment, the bigger the lights. I'm um, tending to see these guys start to step up to the plate, to the speed.
2: Absolutely, you saw that tonight with uh, God with the at bats, you know, a couple of walks, bases loaded. Uh, you know, Tukapita came up and got a good uh, RBI single. Um, Batsy also got a RBI.
4: Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Uh, well, you know, those are the big moments, right? Those high leverage situations when the momentum's working in your favor. Um, just got to remind those guys when they walk to the plate in the situation that the pressure's not on them; the pressure's on the pitcher. And once they can get that comfort zone, they usually tend to succeed.
2: You know, has uh, has Garrett Richards? Uh, the little bit of time he's been here has. Have
4: you seen him kind of take any of these guys under his wing, or is he kind of just showing with example? Or? Well, what I do notice about Gary is, is because he's kind of been with us for a few starts, he's kind of grown a little bit of an attachment to the team. He really likes watching these guys play. Sticks around for the ball games. Um, he was just as fired to fired up to come out and pitch. Game one again, as he was the last one. So when you, when you have that kind of engagement with with a veteran big leaguer like himself, uh, man, we can help. Okay, real
2: quick question, and you don't have to answer this, but usually when a big leaguer comes down and he's with uh, one of the minor league teams, uh, he buys a spread one night. Has he uh, has he bought the team dinner once? He's
4: bought the tenant team dinner every <laughs> single time he's come
2: <laughs>
4: every single time.
2: Oh, and that you know that's what you expect from the big league guys, you know, just to come down and really show what. You know, how they prepare and then, you know, spend a little bit of money with the guys. I, I really appreciate that. Coach, uh, this is my last game. I want to thank you for everything you've done for for the podcast, uh, the leadership that you've shown on the field with the team. And personally for me and Roy from Priors on the Farm, thank you very much. Well, thanks for following us. We're here with Mason Fox. Mason, you are certainly having yourself a solid 19, 2019. Um, started at AZL, went to Tri-Cities, was in Tri-Cities for a minute, then went to Fort Wayne, was there for less than a minute, and now up here in uh, in Lake Elsinore, uh, I'm contributing right away.
3: I'm just, you know, going at a place at a time. Just going when I'm supposed to and just do my job for that day. Fantastic. So you... um. What's your? What's your? Can you tell us about your uh, your arsenal, your repertoire? What do you got? Fastball, curveball. That's all I got right now. All right, I'm trying to work on a changeup, you know, but I think that's going to be this year's off-season plan. Get another third pitch for when I need it. But fastball, curveball is pretty much what I got.
2: Now the uh, the rare gun, in Matt, please don't take this the wrong way, but the rare gun here is a little inconsistent. But I did see you hit 94, uh, sitting 92. Is that is that about right?
3: No, I I'm, I usually sit. I don't ever like to talk about it, but I like I usually sit four, four, five. Pop up ninety six here and there. Okay,
2: Matt. If you guys don't see this, Matt's going up, up. I just saw ninety four once, and I really don't
3: trust it because sometimes it goes like fifty four. I'm like, whoa well, that looked a lot faster than fifty um, four. Where, where are you from? I'm from Canton, North Carolina. It's a very small town, about thirty five minutes west of Asheville, little paper town. Okay. A funny
2: little story. Me and my, my family live outside of Nashville, and this couple weeks ago we went and uh, to several minor league ballparks in the area. Went down to Rome, Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, went to Chattanooga,
3: went over to Cherokee, North Carolina, Cherokee, yeah. and then spent the night there. If you went to Cherokee, you, you would have had to go gone right past the canned exit. There's there's without. Ah, oh, dude, I could have called the house and said, hey. I don't know no. if anybody would have answered.
2: That. Right. No, and, uh, so yeah, so we, we've been, we, we, we are going to go to Asheville, but we turned left and went up to Kodak to watch, uh, to watch another minor night game. I just want to say welcome to, uh, welcome to Lake Elsinore. Welcome to Cali League. I'm sure, uh, you know, throughout this run here the next year, uh, you'll be here next year. Um, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're here with Tuka Marcano. First, it took a, it's your birthday next Monday. Uh, happy birthday. Hey, so you're, you turn 20, you're 19 right now, playing in the Cali League. You come up here for, to help the Storm in the playoffs. You're playing against much older competition. Uh, you seem to be holding your own really well. Hit, two hits tonight, uh, six for 16 before tonight, uh, RBIs, uh, you feel pretty comfortable, yeah?
5: Usted 19 años, va a cumplir 20 el lunes. Usted aquí a League to con the Storm, ayudar a este equipo y está jugando contra muchachos que son mucho más mayores que usted. Tuvo dos sencillos hoy, estaba 8 de 16 en los últimos juegos. ¿Cómo se siente? ¿Cuál es su mentalidad cuando sale juego?
0: No, mi ed- mi no importa, pues. Este, cuando me dieron el llamado para venir para acá, Lo acepté mucho y y sabía que el rol que iba, que iba a tener aquí pues este ayudar a mi compañero y no tanto el resultado, porque lo que no importa ahorita es conseguir dos triunfos más para buscar el campeonato, eso es lo que queremos y y lo que lo que yo lo que yo me dedico es portar mi granito de arena todos los días para que el equipo consiga la victoria pues.
5: So he said that his age doesn't matter and it's not a huge factor to him, he doesn't see it. Uh, when he got the call to come up here, he took it and he was very appreciated of it. And right now, his personal results are not the main goal, it's trying to get the next two wins to bring this team a championship. And he just goes out there every day putting his little grain of salt to trying to get that victory. ¿Cómo se dice? El
2: niño, Yeah,
5: niño. Okay.
2: How did you learn you were going to come up to Lake Elsinore? Did, did AC tell you or was it a funny story?
5: Ah, ¿cómo le dijeron a usted que usted iba a venir aquí a Lake Elsinore? Ah, uh, hubo una historia divertida y un momento que usted se recuerda o algo normal.
0: Fue fue después de un juego, después del juego, este yo me estaba vistiendo para para irme a comer y eso y me llamó, me llamaron para la oficina y sí estaban los jefes, estaba Crisan. Me llamaron, pues, y me estuvieron hablando y eso, que, que cuál iban a ser mis planes en Arizona, porque yo iba a ir para Arizona. Y me dijeron que ellos me necesitaban aquí en, en California para ayudar al equipo y eso. Y eso fue lo que hice. Acepté la, la invitación con, con mucho cariño.
5: He said that it was after a game. He had already showered, was getting ready to just go eat. Uh, but they called him to the front office and, uh, the main people in the front office were there. They were trying to tell him about his plans of going to Arizona. Um, but that things had changed and that he was actually going to come up here to California because the team needed him and that he had gotten the call to come on up. <laughs> Ah, okay. All right, all right, all right. His heart
2: was not. That's right. Uh, sangre frio. Sangre frio. Fría. Sangre frio. Okay. So you play short, second, and third base. Do you, uh, and you, you played almost all of them equally this year. Uh, do you have a preference or you just play wherever they put you? I play la
5: segunda base, el shortstop, y la tercera base. Y ha podido jugar todas esas posiciones... Un montón de veces igualmente cada posición, ah, ¿tiene una preferida o cuál se siente usted que es la mejor?
0: No, en, lo, en lo que me ponga el manager ese día, yo salgo a jugar el béisbol fuerte, tratar de no hacer el rol, a tratar de ayudar al equipo a...
5: He doesn't care where they put him at or where the manager sends him, he just goes out there and plays strong baseball, trying to not make the error, try to help out with the victory and that he doesn't have any preferences of where they put him, he's just out there trying to play hard.
2: Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Thank you. All right. All right, I'm all full of goat meat and coffee. Are you ready to play?
1: Goat meat? (laughs) Have you been eating goat
2: meat? (laughs) Chicken taco.
1: Chicken burrito. Chicken, quote unquote. (laughs) Okay, let's give it a shot. They want you to think that it's chicken. Yes, it's just chicken. Right.